welcome to our podcast, The Peapod. My name is Ellis and I'm joined by Matt and we're coming to you from Pea Consultancy. This is our brand new podcast and we'll be using this platform to discuss ideas for teaching and learning with a particular focus on blended and online learning, as well as sharing experiences and chatting with some guest speakers along the way. Our podcasts are designed to be a more flexible and relaxed approach to sharing current news from the sector. So feel free to wander away from your computer, pop us on while you're out with the dog, cooking dinner, or even while you're unwinding in the evening. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing all of those questions that I have for Ellis because I'm not a learning technologist and she is. So can we start at the beginning then? What What's a learning technologist? Yeah, sure. So a learning technologist is somebody who is preoccupied with technology and how that can be used to get the best out of teaching, learning, an assessment. Okay, so that's that's good. That I understand. <laughs> but I've also heard people talk, you mainly, talk about instructional designers. And to me, the two jobs sound fairly similar. What's the difference between a learning technologist and an instructional designer? Very often you'll see job descriptions that mention a learning technologist or an instructional designer, and they seem to have the same sort of spec. The biggest difference is that an instructional designer will typically create e-learning material. And when we say e-learning material, I'm talking about things like SCORM packages or creating quizzes on your VLE or all of those sorts of things. Whereas a learning technologist will go away and work out what technology is out there and how that can be used in conjunction with your VLE or your LMS and upskill staff primarily teachers, to use that. You've done it again. So not content with having to learn the difference between a learning technologist and an instructional designer, you've now said VLE and LMS. And now I feel like I know less than I did when we started recording this podcast. (laughs) So go on, enlighten us. So a VLE is a virtual learning environment. And an LMS is a learning management system. Mm -hmm. And typically these are platforms that teachers will use to put content on for their students to then go and complete. They are, um, as suggested by the virtual element, they are online and um, students will go on and access their content. It may be in quiz format, it may be in an interactive package such as a SCORM, it might be a presentation, but it is that interactive learning online. Okay, so the workflow then will be for what, a, a teacher or a student to say to a designer, I need some work, I need you to to teach it, for example, I need you to create some work for a student or my students, a quiz. The designer will make it and then they give it to you as a learning technologist to put on upload and administrate on a VLE or LMS. Potentially. So different establishments run this subtly differently depending on their setup and, and who they've hired. So sometimes an establishment might hire a learning technologist and expect them to carry out some instructional design job duties. 
Sometimes you'll have an instructional designer who picks up learning technologist duties. Typically, the learning technologist will go out and find the technology ahead of a teacher. They will find something like a tool such as Poll Everywhere and work out how that can be integrated into their VLE or their LMS and then come and let staff know about that and show them how to use it, show them how to embed it in their content, show them other you know tips and tricks along the way. Whereas an instructional designer would receive work more typically from a teacher um, and be asked to put that into the VLE or the LMS. And when I say receive work, it would probably be that the teacher comes to them as a subject matter expert and goes, here's my science test on the periodic table. I need you to put that into the VLE and make it really interactive, really engaging for the students. And that's where an instructional designer would go and then create something that was interactive for the students, they bridge that technical gap in essence that staff uh, may not have in terms of the knowledge or ability or maybe just the time to be able to create something online. Right. Okay, yeah, got it. I think I think I understand. If we record any more of these episodes, we're probably going to find out whether I do actually understand or not. <laughs> Weather come episode 35. I'm, I'm going, can, can we just go back to the beginning again and work out what a learning technologist is? We're, I'm sure we'll be fine. We'll be okay. So have I heard of any of these VLE or LMSs then? I mean, are they household names? Are they made by Coca-Cola and Ford and places <laughs> that I, I know and love and brands that I trust? Or so you you will have heard of some of them. Um, I, I've mentioned some of them to you before. Um, so yeah, that's no guarantee, by the way, <laughs> that I will have retained any of that information. That's not the relationship that you and I have. But go on. Um, so some of them are household names, unfortunately not Coca Cola. Um, but you've got brands such as uh, Blackboard. You've got Canvas. You've got Moodle. And Brightspace are probably some of the more popular ones that you'll have heard of. But because things like Moodle are open source, uh, some establishments get hold of those and then give them their own name. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but they will give it, you know, an interactive name and they brand it themselves. Um, so you've got your off the shelf offerings and then things that establishments have, have tailored and catered along the way. But whilst I've mentioned those four, they're not the only ones out there. There are others that are maybe not as widely used that exist and different VLEs and LMSs may be aimed at different age groups of students as well. So some will specialise in secondary schools, some will specialise in universities, some will be used given the current climate for um, primary school education. So different ones exist for different sectors. Okay, I'm with you. All right, fair enough. So you're you're from the P consultancy. You are Ellis of the P consultancy. So if this is all open source and it seems relatively simple to me, why 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 does the p consultancy exist what do you do that i mean moodle for example is open source so surely that means it's it's easy to operate and very easy to use and sort of anyone could just go and do it what benefit 
do people get? What do you bring to the table as a learning technologist from P Consultancy to to add some value to that? What difference do you make? So things like Moodle that are open source provide a platform, but they are broadly a blank canvas. So um, a learning technologist would help in terms of going away and investigating compatibility of plugins and things that you might be able to port in. So um, I've worked with a company before where they had uh, a a Moodle-based platform and then also integrated a question bank add-in, which then kind of saved a bit of time in terms of anybody having to write the questions. You could import them, you could buy that as a package. And a learning technologist would go away and interrogate that and make sure that anything that you were looking to port into your system integrated properly, that you would get the, you know, the MI data out of it the other end. And ultimately, I think what you've got to remember is that within the education space, teachers are preoccupied with teaching and typically speaking, certainly before Corona times, that was a lot more face to face uh, weighted than currently. So a lot of the content was in the form of handouts and that face to face setup. So a learning technologist would be able to go away and sort of look at that documentation that you have and think about things that might make that more engaging. So I mentioned a little bit earlier things like poll everywhere. Formally, in a classroom, you could ask students to put their hands up and say what they thought, you know, X, Y, Z was. Now, in terms of doing that in a technological manner, I need to find a tool that will help that. So as a learning technologist, I go away and do that research. I find out what will work with your platform, what will be engaging for the students. I train your staff on that so that they don't have to spend time doing that themselves and then different to the instructional designer, um, they they would they would help in terms of right. A teacher now knows that something like Poll Everywhere exists, but they need help putting that into Poll Everywhere. That sort of relationship would maybe fall into an instructional designer role, or sometimes a learning technology role. Like I say, it's it it's a fluid environment. There are lots of different titles, and lots of different people who do elements of the same roles each establishment will have their own particular outlook on what that role looks like okay all right so it's, it's sort of a question of the more you know the, the the more you do the more you can do you could get moodle or any, any one of these this blackboard or canvas off off the shelf open it up and it would work and you would be able to use it but you're limited to that functionality that it comes with for sure whereas once you start looking at learning technologists and the p consultancy and and any any one of a number of other sort of options for that sort of thing you can then do more with more and you just give people a better time staff students external verifiers i presume that sort of thing you you end up getting better value out of it and it becomes a useful tool rather than a government mandated chore almost because you, you have to have online learning is that have I has some of that sunk in yeah. while you've been talking yeah. to me so obviously at the moment everybody is is online or most people are online um given their their personal circumstances but um, different establishments or rather different age groups have 
government mandates about online learning. So um, secondary education and college education certainly have some remit for there needing to be an element of online learning, um, even in normal times, if you will. The other thing to mention, actually, that I've not made incredibly clear, um, a learning technologist is obviously preoccupied with technology, as the name suggests, but we also help with the pedagogy side of it as well. So um, once we found these tools, we will go away and interrogate them, but we'll also advise teachers of the way in which you can get the best out of them and the reasons for utilising them and where they might be useful in terms of the teaching and learning that you're trying to pull out. Um, I think it's fair to say that part of our role is also understanding that a tool might work in a specific instance and not across the board. So we would then go away and work out how else you might be able to manipulate that and involve it in your particular brand of lesson um, or in your particular content. Um, so it's not it's not just the technology side, it is often the pedagogy side as well in terms of how you can deliver that, what you can get back out of that, the student types or the learning types that would benefit from that as well. Okay, so if, if a place already had uh, someone was listening to this and they were thinking, yeah, okay, you know, that that's great. Thanks very much for telling me all this, but I've got a big IT team that I pay lots of money for who can probably manage all this just sort of 90% as well as you without needing without me needing to go through the rigmarole of paying for more stuff or or talking even to you or anything else there there's tangible benefit beyond just the pure nuts and bolts technology of it there's okay all right so if people do want to get in touch with you or me i mean feel free to contact me folks um, i'd be glad to hear from you um if people want to get in touch with you though an actual expert rather than me somebody you've roped in to ask questions how do they go about doing that um so we've got an email address which is probably best and that's hello at pconsultancy.com we do also have a website um but the website will just route you through to the email so it's probably best just to go straight there and to recap that's hello at pconsultancy.com I am also on LinkedIn, so if you'd rather contact me directly through there, if you look for me under Ellis Taylor, you should be able to, to message me through there as well. You've answered all my questions, and hopefully you know, most of the sort of initial queries that folks in radio land would have had, podcast land would have had. So um, thanks very much. Thank you. Um, yeah, and thanks for listening, everyone. And join us again next week for our next episode. Bye.